0: Off the Ball Daily, a home for your favorite podcasts from Off the Ball. Make up ambassadors, You know what I mean. And I,
1: I, I had heard about it. I had heard about it. And me being the
0: super bowls man I am. I brought a bowls jersey with and gave it to him. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now.
1: Hurling on Off the Ball with bored gosh energy.
2: Hurling, it's anyone's game. Now then you're at the max so Cork in the 1940s Kilkenny in the 2000s and now Limerick have managed four in a row and counting is the point of distinction there very much and counting is what it feels like all as part of their five and six years reminder of the final scoreline yesterday Kilkenny 215 Limerick 30 points they were three down at half time but 21 points in the second half more than got the job done a nine point winning margin very happy to say David Herody is with us once again hey David
0: how are you
2: doing, Joe? How are you keeping? Great, thanks. And Jamesy O'Connor as well. Hey, Jamesy.
1: Joe, how's the form?
2: Very well. There was a moment, I don't know if you were at the game or watching on a screen, but uh, when the 30th point landed from distance and the game was still on, even John Kylie and Paul Conurk allowed themselves a high five and a hug and a Kylie just saying, well done. And I suspect they have plotted together for many, many hours. I, I half wondered as well, Jamesy, I wonder was 30 points... Uh, a kind of a marker they had in their head, who knows. But either way, they more than deserve a high five and a well done because this was just epic.
1: Yeah. Um, some team, Joe, was with that ability and that attribute to be able to produce probably your best performance of the year on the biggest stage, and they've repeatedly done that in the Ireland finals. And the second half, I suppose, the second half of the second half was arguably their greatest ever performance. I mean, the dominance, the physicality, the power, the accuracy, the efficiency was off the charts and uh I mean to to score, you know, twenty one points in the second half of an All Ireland final. Um they had one wide on the board, I think, uh, you know, on probably close to the seventeenth minute and they had two more of Grimal Cahia kind of a, a shot over his shoulder from the sideline and Galandon had line ball where there wasn't a whole lot happening, so she looked at the game it was in the bag anyway, I might as well have a go for it. Hmm. But the, the, the their efficiency was just incredible. And um I mean literally Kilkenny just ran into a windmill in the second half and you know, like, look, at credit to the Cats, the intensity they brought in the, in, in the first half, the physicality, the work rate. But you just felt, look, at this is just Chris De Limerick's mill. And I, I just couldn't see Kilkenny being able to sustain it. And uh, I think that, I suppose, really, if you're talking about, you know, pivotal periods in the match, the move of Keane Lynch to centre forward before half-time, um, to me, he was the guy that almost single-handedly turned things around because he obviously got a couple of scores, got on ball, started to make things happen. And I thought he was back to the Lynch of... Of old orchestrating things, just his creativity, his flair, just his ability to suck in the defender and slip the pass. Um, I thought he was phenomenal. He was my man of the match yesterday. But overall, just a, a, an unbelievable team performance. And the most distressing thing for the rest of us Joe is the rage profile, all the the soundings, the noises afterwards. They're not done, and they did it without Sean Finn. You know arguably their their best inside defender. They did it without their captain Declan Hannan. Um, you know every minor. 19, 20 year old in Limerick will be bursting a gut now to get into the gym to do whatever it takes to, to be a part of this. And uh yeah, they're clearly they're clearly hungry for more. And at this point they're clearly I said the bookies favourites for for five and beyond. So incredible performance by, by Kylie and the management team. And that's the one thing he's done, Joe. He's he's assembled, you know, probably the best Group of people in that backroom team. I mean, Paul Canerick is just a genius. We know that, but he went after him and got him. Um, obviously, Caroline Curry. We, know, we we know you know how highly she's touted. And um, that sports performance. Um, you know, area. Uh, Alan Cunningham. You know, was a selector with Delo hugely respected in Clare hurling circles. You know, just a quality guy. Angus O'Brien, another Clare man. You know, principal in Broadford National School. He's Clare. You know, really good coach. And um, Sean O'Donnell was with the Cork hurlers on stats. They went after him and got, got him when he was deemed surplus to requirements in Cork. Apparently, he's phenomenal at what he does. And I'd say you go right through it. You know, they're, they're, they're medical people. Um, everything is, is is just first class in that setup. And obviously, you know, with J.P., they have a, a very generous benefactor as well. So the infrastructure is there. And Kylie has done a hell of a job stewarding it. But Canerk had those guys just absolutely primed yesterday. And, you know, uh, his, his record now is just off the charts in terms of what he's done. And... You know the the success that he's been able to achieve, David James. He's given us a
2: pretty perfect overview there. What strikes you in the afterglow? Yeah,
0: it, it is frightening when you kind of when you look at the age profile. Like uh, James he said there, I was just looking at it there today and uh, quickly run down to it. It's Mike Casey, twenty eight. Dan Morrissey, thirty. Barry Nash is twenty seven. Burns is twenty nine. William O'Donoghue is twenty nine. Hayes is twenty five. O'Donovan twenty eight. Lynch twenty seven. Higarty, 29. Reedy, 30. Marcy, 27. Gillan, 27. Stop, stop, Flanagan, 26. Stop. And Peter Casey, 26. Like it, it, how, Even kind of looking back to the Kilkenny team of the 2009, you had Derek Ling, who was 31, and you had Richie Hogan, who was 21. There was a good 10-year gap. There's four, you know, there's arguably, if you took out Kyle Hayes there, there's about three years you can really span across the whole team. They just, they've all come together and they're all at their peak. And they're so dominant in what they do. They've all obviously come up with the same age profile. But like hitting, it's so rare to have a team that everyone is around the same span of four or five years. It's absolutely freaking nature. Now, I would say that possibly why Kenny were as good as they were is because when it's so spread out, if someone retires, you're only you're only filling one or two gaps. Like, it is, I would think anyway, like the, the end of the Limerick team is going to happen within the next five years. Like, there's no way, obviously, all those lads will be the majority of them will be gone, um, and and finished with. But it's just to get such a group of players together is incredible. Yeah. It's it's it is just a freak of nature. And you look back to 2018 again, having 13 lads that played in that 2018 fi- final. Twelve of them started that day, and twelve of them started yesterday. Six years ago. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely bizarre. Like even even when Kilkenny were at their prime, and you look at the eight titles that they won in the 10 years, they went through four goalkeepers during that time. Like They went through a Derek Ling and a chaffetz Patrick to a Michael Rice and a Michael Fenley. Like, they went from Tennyson to Brian Hogan to Kieran Joyce. Like it, it just kept going on and on and on where you're kind of going from a Goethe to uh, even TJ started coming into it. You started bringing in your extra players there, your Colin Fenleys. Everyone just kept changing. The whole team was just a, a constant kind of conveyor belt coming through. But they have just loaded this belt with absolutely incredible players, and they're just there, and they're all around the same age. And so, once again, they're going to be buzzing. The biggest achievement I think for Kylie is the fact that he has managed to keep them all buzzing and hungry throughout those whole years. But also then keeping a bench that's clearly there as well that are playing little minor parts in this whole, this whole incredible run that they're on, and keeping them happy. That's probably the biggest achievement I, I think that he's had. Hmm.
2: So by your maths there, another five years. Nine in a row is what we're saying.
0: I would. I, the only thing is uh, about Limerick, again, they have to go back into the bear pit again. Uh, you know, uh, and, and that is the Munster Championship next year. And when you think about it, how kind of the sliding doors moments, like if Cork had beaten them that day, they were out of the championship. You know, if Tipperary had beaten Waterford, they were out of the Munster final. So it's not as easy as, as saying, you know, they'll go on and they'll win their five in a row and six in a row. And I know, again, John Kylie stopped the the one of the local reporters yesterday straight away after the match. He just goes, enjoy enjoy where you're at. Stop thinking about next year. But it, it is, in one way, it is kind of frightening where they can go to. But also, it's such a competitive Munster Championship. I think I think if they are stopped, it will be by a Munster team. It will be a Cork tip or a Clare. I think Kilkenny and Galway are still just a little bit off. That Kilkenny team is in it, possibly will have to go through a bit of a rebuilding phase and Derek Ling will have to actually be in, heading into year two. There will be a fair amount of changes, I would imagine, in the winter months um, that he's going to have to refill and try and find a club level. And, and I wouldn't be the best person to know the in-depth knowledge of Kilkenny club hurling at the moment. because obviously uh, folks in on Kildare for the last few years, but... I wouldn't say there's as many standout players there that are going to easily fill the boots of a Wally Welsh and Conor Fogarty and and Tige Richie Hogan these lads there too easily. So um, yeah, yeah, there's a bit of work to be done there.
2: James, in terms of the actual game, then I feel honestly I could just copy and paste the exact questions I asked you to after the Galway game and the exact same uh, terminology and 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 the um, analogy which was of a heavyweight boxer being Limerick taking everything that the slightly lesser opponent could throw at him taking a few knocks and shipping a few knocks sure but absorbing them and then uh, insert Kilkenny for Galway just being a bit punched out and Limerick only hitting their straps and that's kind of the short story of the game
1: yeah I mean it, it's it's maybe a simplified version of a of, of Joe but yeah I think it's as you said like it there's a lot of parallels with the with the Galway match I mean the, the conditions certainly didn't make it easy and there was a strong you know, breathe. that Kilkenny had the had the eight of in the first half. And, you know, looking down from, you know, our, our commentary position, um, you know, Walter Walsh and uh Tom Field on the other side at times were back in their own forty five and it was a case of right, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make ourselves hard to break down here. And and the two half forwards, you know, worked and Tom Field I thought it a fantastic game for Kilkenny, you know, worked incredibly hard in that first half. But I was thinking, um, you know, listen Burns gets the ball in that similar position in the second half with no one near him. It's it's over the bar. Yeah. Um you know what I mean? And that was and that was there was just that question, you know, could could um could Kilkenny sustain it? Because like people probably don't appreciate like the power of Tom Morrissey, the power of Hagerty. I mean, you know, the body tackles that they put in, and it's those repeated hits mm. that just, just continually sap your energy. And I don't think people maybe fully appreciate maybe just how draining it is um, tipped this year after they played uh, after they played Limerick. You know, almost emptied, incredibly flat. Next uh, next time out, and you know, Galway. It, it just appeared with twenty minutes to go. were out on their feet um, again and couldn't and couldn't live with it. And I thought some of the Kenny players again, it, they just looked like Limerick had worn them down physically because all these accumulated hits, um, you know, just just eventually take their toll. And like Willow done who took a card. I can't remember who he ploughed into late. Um, I think Burns ran into Mikey Fee, Mikey Butler, again, ploughed into him late. Hagerty might have taken a card for, again, a frontal charge. And they don't mind taking the card, but these hits, these are like six feet, five inch behemoths that are just built like, you know, professional you know Australian rules football players I mean just the power of them and that that relentless physicality that they that they bring and that's not to in any way for a second Joe take anything away from their hurling because the quality of their stick work like you know the the accuracy of those passes the ball is going to hand um, and and to do it in the conditions that were there yesterday you know with a wet ball balls flying off the stick and it's just a testament to the work that, that Kanark has done from a coaching perspective. I mean, again, like there's so many improvements over the years. I mean, Limerick wouldn't have been seen as a, a dominant team in the year, but like th- that's been coached into them. You look at Burns, you look at Hayes on the other side, you look at, you know, their full back line. They're all excellent now, as good as kick anywhere in the year, maybe in their prime. So and that's down to coaching. And obviously the, the, the style of play, I mean, everyone knows... The way they're going to sit up, the half fours are going to come deep. There's going to be a two man full forward line, it's going to be angle ball to Gallan and Flanagan inside. Um, and yet, you know, teams are are still probably trying to figure out how, how to counteract it. And funnily enough, um, I mean, look, at, it would have been great from a Clare perspective to have been there yesterday. I'm not sure we'd have coped with what they brought. Yeah. But Clare's even be the one team that just whatever it is, whether it's just the, I suppose, yeah. look at the knowledge. That you know these guys were in college together. Whether it's just our strength and conditioning, whether it's the type of athlete maybe that we have, but we just seem to match up as well as anybody, um, in the country with them. But uh, Kilkenny just, just couldn't seem to stay with them, Joe. Um, and I, I you know, obviously, that said, there were turning points in the game. Um, but I mean, it, it just they just ground them down and wore them down, and, and Kilkenny just couldn't couldn't stay with them that last quarter. David,
2: did you feel? Kilkenny were going to struggle to sustain what they were doing. I think you, you you both felt Galway were never going to be able to keep up what they were doing against Limerick. Did you have the same sense watching yesterday of Kilkenny?
0: I thought one of the, the biggest turning points happened before the match when Blanchfield wasn't starting. Um, the big thing that Kilkenny have had over the last two matches, in Leinster final and semi-final, is Big Wally comes onto the field as a fair old roar because he's a crowd favourite. Get a big boost out of that. You get a big boost, and Park Welsh comes on, and Richie Holm comes on, and Killy Buckley comes on, and you empty the bench there. But yesterday, they used up one of those lifelines straight away where Wally Welch started the game. So that boost is gone immediately, and and, and Wally was enforcing a few of his shots. And then they brought on Park Welsh at half time. And sometimes bringing on someone at half time, when you're looking for a lift, it's not the best because they just come out onto the field and they're straight away in. You're waiting for this big announcement or them kind of warming up at the sideline, and everyone's getting a bit of a buzz right here comes Park Welch now. Even I found, it unusual, I found it unusual that, uh, you know, Alan Murphy was the next sub on. He hadn't appeared in the semi-final um, and the Leinster final, as far as I remember. And yet he was third on. I felt they left kind of Richie Hogan. The game was well and truly gone. And I said that to you last week, that they had to make sure that they were in the game by the time they emptied the bench. By the time they did empty the bench, bring on King Kenny and Richie, there was six, seven points in it. And then it was just, it was game over. Um, the Limerick were up. They, they were flying it where they were at. I top Kylie, even I love listening to some of the the interviews after matches. And unfortunately, you know, when you do turn up, you don't tend to to get them um, or hear them anyway. But listening back to them on the phone there last night, there's a lot of drivel that's said after matches. But every so often, somebody comes out with a few little nuggets there that you can you can take. And I felt at the semi final stage, um, Daryl Donovan and Kylie both came out one after another. and mentioned Aiden Murphy's puckouts and how good he was on his puckouts. Now you don't mention a, a real strength. You know normally they come out with you know the other team are very good and they're always hitting them in their hearts, but they went really after Anna Murphy's puckouts and they kind of went. He's so deceptive in what he's doing. He's hitting those mid-range puckouts that are incredibly difficult to actually t- to stop. Now they're extremely risky, but he's a very brave keeper in the way that he was in that first half against Galway, and that's why Galway were to the forefront because they didn't know whether to push up in the midfield, hang back like they normally do. Uh, there was little pockets there and Aiden Murphy was able to dissect that Limerick team. I, found, I felt yesterday they Kenny, they went with a few early puck outs there and obviously they, they were blown and they had to be retaken. But in the second half, like Jamesy said, when they're beaten down, I looked at one stage, it was about the 58th minute, Owen had the ball and six out of the nine lads in front of him had their backs turned to him. They were physically absolutely goosed with the whole thing. Yeah. And if you look back, and was, I was kind of just taking, keeping a note to the puck outs, Owen only hit one mid-range puck out and, we, and lost that. Um, there just wasn't, there didn't seem to be that kind of, someone coming deep in around, when I'm talking about mid-range, top of the machine of 50, they're your own 50 and a far 65. They needed to, a few pocket puck outs there, where then if they get it, they were able to drive it and give it, and keep supplying the likes of Owen Cody inside, which they just didn't have. They kept going short, and then sure, inevitably then they'd go short and then end up pucking it down on top of the the six foot four, six foot four and six foot six half back line, which yeah. was just uh, which was just ridiculous. And then obviously it was like pucking at the gable end of a wall, like those balls kept coming back then and Limerick were completely on top.
2: Yeah, I think it was Peter Casey in his post match interview mentioned pokeouts being talked about at half time as well. So again, similar vibe yeah. to goal of the game.
0: And just another, another thing on his interview which I thought was very good was the fact that he keeps going on about reference points and self-reference points to Limerick. You remember like uh, when Johnny Sexton had that when he, he, he obviously had that incredible comeback with Leinster in Heineken Cup final all those years ago, and he was talking about Liverpool and the Istanbul and so on. Mm. But they they don't they don't reference any other sports. They reference themselves. They goes, "We've enough reference points now at this stage. This team does from different games. where We've been behind or things are going wrong that we can go back to." They're so confident in their own ability and what they've done, and in different games that they just have a library of of those kind of performances and those turning points that they've been down by three points. Like someone came out with a stat there it was on online saying that they haven't. They haven't won two halves this year in Championship, which is
2: another no, one I, incredible thing. Yeah, dominating. there's a thing I, we'll get to in a few minutes just about this trend in Limerick games. I mean, the only game this entire Championship season where they've been ahead at half time was the first game out against Clare. Otherwise, they've been behind in every single game and obviously won all those games, which is a really mad kind of trend when you think of what a great team they are. But just, um, Jamesy, your last word on Kilkenny. You, you talked there about a few... Uh, game defining moments. And I suppose what's emerged this season and look next year, it could be different. And two years ago, Limerick were different. But, but this year, if when, when you're having that kind of, uh, I guess, purple patch against Limerick or that period where you're throwing everything at them and you're creating chances, you now have to take them. You almost have to build up an almost unassailable lead and Kilkenny did lots of great things and they were you know like they were really expressing themselves like at one stage Owen Cody surrounded by four or five Limerick Giants chasing after him you know bounced the ball off the ground with the hurl and then the dummy pass I mean you're thinking this guy's really firing and he scored a goal and lots of things were going Kilkenny's way but they just didn't build up enough of a lead six points is just not enough of a lead when you're emptying yourself against Limerick
1: yeah, and six points would have been probably a fair reflection of you know the way they would hurled in the first half, and and you know they had done a lot of things right. They had turned Limerick over. They had, you know, really worked their socks off um in the in in the middle third. But as I said, Lynch the centre forward just for me, you just really got a grip on things there, and and three points, especially with the wind, you felt wasn't an accurate reflection at at, at halftime. I suppose Joe, in terms of like Limerick had. Limerick, I think had four wides at half time. Kilkenny had five. TJ missed a free that you don't normally expect to see, but it was it wasn't an easy day for free takers, and he nailed a longer one just just after that. Um, he won from play. Tom Feenin had won from play. Wally had won from play. There were probably chances that they needed to take, but it wasn't like that. They had, you know, a dozen wides on the board yeah. in the first half. I mean, Kilkenny still had, I think, was it? Um, I think it was nine wides in total. Yeah. This wasn't uh, this wasn't clear you know, in the Munster final. No, absolutely not. Um, and and as I said, the thing was, and you know, David alluded to it, like they couldn't get any decent ball into Mossy and Cody in that in that second half. I mean, they were starved of possession, and and yet, Joe, there were there were little things in the game. I mean, you know, Cody that second goal chance, the one that he, he flashed, just it was a narrow angle, but he was in close enough inside the twenty-one or, or the fourteen to maybe you know take it on and. You know, I suppose he showed the mindset. I mean, he took the first goal that he got brilliantly. But, yeah. like, it wasn't far away from from the bottom, you know, the bottom right-hand corner. So, you know, that that could have gone in. There was a ball in the second half that TJ, um, I think, popped into Mossy or Cody. I can't remember which one there was. He slipped. just he was about to take it down. He was in behind. That was maybe, again, a half a half goal chance. Uh, and then I think when there was, was there maybe two points in it or maybe a point in it? Um there was a 65 that you know was one of those marginal calls that probably came off a Limerick defender's leg. Barry Nash went to put on it; he was hooked. It went out; it was way of wide, but technically, and um, the last touch on it was probably from a Limerick man. And I think Limerick Haggerty maybe got a point from the puck out, and you kind of had a two-point swing there. Where you know, if TJ if they get to 65 and TJ nails it, Kilkenny are either level or or, or maybe even they're a point ahead. So, like, look at these are these, look at they're small. Mm. Little things that can your point is almost every single little thing needs to go for you, everything, yeah, 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 and 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 that's listen. And do I think that would have changed the outcome in any way, shape, or form? Absolutely not. I still think Limerick would want to to win the game, it just mightn't have been as comfortable as it was. But credit to credit to Kenny, I mean, there was still only two points in it, I think, with with 10 minutes to go, yeah, but I mean, it it was it was like trying to plug you know what I mean, a, a, a major breach in the wall with your finger. I mean, you know, the, the dam was eventually going to burst. And uh, and when it did, uh, it did it a vengeance. David, as a final one before we go to break, was there anything Kilkenny could have done in that second
2: half when Limerick were on a rampage? Did somebody need to lose a contact lens? Or is that not really going to address? Ultimately, you're, you're doomed either way. But could Kilkenny have done more in that period?
0: No, I, I, I agree with you. That's an. a... Had a Kind of was saying that afterwards that it was you need to kill the tempo and the speed of the game with Limerick. Nobody's going to match them physically, or very few people are going to. And I don't. And and same with Galway and there The last day they end up running out of steam. You need to try and play it on your own terms. Now it's a catch twenty-two situation. If you wait, if you try and kill the puckouts and try and kill the sidelines and 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 bring it right down, kill the whole game free take, and well then you're playing into their hands, especially on puckouts because they're able to set up then. And then you can't get away your quick fire ball and try and get it over their their wall. But at the same time, you have to try and knock that seventy five minute game down as close as you can, or to thirty five minutes into the amount of time that the ball is in. Because again, you are like we've said there, you're hitting, you're hitting the the, the man mountains that they have. They should have tried to kill it, especially when Kenny and Paddy Digan got that goal. Kenny went five points up, but then to concede five points in a row. Somebody has to go down at that stage and try and make sure that this game is just done and dusted for a few minutes. But in fairness, the ref was brilliant. He was on top of that. Limerick tried to do it a few times, and he was play on, play on, play on. Hmm. He was very much on top of what exactly was going on. He's clear as well. Even Peter Casey a few times, he did what he did in the semifinal, kind of trying to hold on the hurdle. But the referee was very intelligent. He clearly looked back. He knew his players, um, and he knew exactly their little traits then of, of yeah. When to give her food, when not to. I think he's brilliant. But those three chances, I I do think Kilkenny and Galway and Clare will all look back to the 30 minute, between 30 and 31 minutes in the last three games when Mark Rogers' said, shot was saved by Nicky Quaid. did make them at six points at half time. When Concannon could have put them eight points ahead. And when Owen Cody's goal could have put them six up at half time there yesterday. Exact same minute. 30 to 35 30 to 31st minute three chances and it just was a killer for all the teams going in with just one score at half time
2: yeah fellas stay with us loads more to chat through David Herity James O'Connor with us our hurling coverage is with thanks to Board Gosh Energy back in just one sec Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy Hurling it's anyone's game you're very welcome back, David Ardy and James O'Connor, with us chatting through Limerick's brilliance, frankly. And uh, to that point, fellas, about Limerick coming back, and it's been a habit all season, really. As I mentioned, I saw Michael Verney made the point they were three up against Clare at half time early in the Munster Championship, but otherwise, in the five games since, Limerick have been behind at half time. And it was amazing, even on the TV coverage yesterday. I, you know, I, and I'm sure there were Galway players still with PTSD watching gone three point gap, not enough, not enough. And even on the TV, there's this sense of, OK, everyone, here we go. It's the third quarter. And a part of me is watching saying like sport doesn't work like that. You can't, you, you know, it's not like, oh, they just turn it on for a third quarter. And then, of course, we know what happened. I can't really get my head around this in some ways. So I take the point David We're saying that teams throw everything at Limerick and, and Limerick invariably, they are human. So they do ship a few blows. But like this can't be a deliberate thing that a team sets out to do to kind of. Asher will go steady as she goes and then we'll, you know, score a few before half time, and then third quarter will kill them. Um, it, it's It's really striking and strange the way this keeps happening to Limerick.
0: Yeah, but again, it comes down to you having the best coaches and the best analysis. We've we've said already that they have the best management team that are out there. It uh, will this year, I know they have. I'm sure there's other teams plotting and planning at the moment. But again, when you come in, if you're three points up, well, do you change what you're doing? Because if you change what you're doing, and you're three points up. You're obviously you're in that kind of little bit of a dilemma. Then you're like, well, we can't mess about it too much. Like you know, people were a little bit critical of Henry just before in the 30th minute when he went one up front. And you could clearly see it on TV that he was pointing, just leave Conor Wheeling up front. Yeah. And then they sat back. And then Limerick came at them and ended up scoring six points in just before half time. So you come in at half time, and it's again, do you stick at what you're doing or do you change it up? Whereas Limerick, when you come in at half time, they can actually see where things are going wrong. I, to- John- I, I, I,
2: I totally take that point, right? But this is just me being a bit kind of overly critical of this great Limerick side, which is a, a churlish thing to do. Like, why not start the game well? Why not have your homework done so well that you start well? Why? Because everybody is like lauding Limerick for this aspect. And I think there's a degree of scoreboard journalism about it. Because I guarantee you, and you've mentioned the examples quite rightly, David, there have been a couple of times here where Limerick have been five, six, seven points down in games. And actually, if the next score was a goal, then Limerick are on big, big trouble. Like Limerick were not in, as, as, as well as they won yesterday, Limerick were not in control of that situation. And a Kilkenny goal at six down... Then you've got a really steep hill. So I just think, that, again, I guarantee you, if they'd lost that game, we'd be reading all pieces today saying things like, "This has been coming. This Limerick team sloppy starts. They got to sort. What are they doing? Why aren't they starting games well? Like it is a curious aspect for such a great team."
0: Do you know? I, I that's the first Limerick game I've been at all year, and maybe again, just what Kylie had said afterwards. Uh, uh, he said we were playing against a very strong breeze. So again, we're not out in the open fields. We don't know how strong it is. And he goes, we knew we had to soak up a lot of this pressure. Right. So you're seeing them down with three points at half time. And like, were was there a strong breeze against Galway that they were playing against the breeze? Was there James? You probably know. Was they did they play against a strong breeze against Clare in the Munster final? Maybe it's a thing with them that uh, mm. they just know themselves, lads. We're playing against a strong breeze. We know what's going to happen. They're going to they're going to try and throw everything at us. We just need to. Batten down the hatches, try and work it through the lines, and uh, but again, it, just small little things as well where they deserve massive credit is the fact that they were going short in that first half and losing a large percentage of their puckouts until just before half time. Keane Lynch got on a few frees yeah. and just won a few frees. They went through and they went short with it, but I don't think they're intentionally going out to not play well. Just at times that that like when o. Murphy stuck over the free. Yesterday it was only then you kind of realised, and then obviously when Limerick started shooting from everywhere, the ball was going over. We like Jesus, there's a serious breeze out here yeah. on the field that we wouldn't have appreciated up in stands. So I don't know, maybe Jamesy, did they play against a, a strong breeze in that first half against Clare as well? Maybe that might answer the question as to,
1: to why they're not dominating for the full seventy odd minutes. Yeah, so there's two. There's two things just to come in there, Joe. Like num- number one, Christy threw me a stat, I do know, it was it last night or whatever that I think Limerick have outscored the opposition by twenty-three points in the third quarter um over the championship. Yeah. So obviously the third quarter is their championship minutes and they've they've maybe targeted that. I think the second thing on that again is just what to what, what David alluded to is like teams have thrown different things at them. I mean Joe, you know, you, you take for example Barry Nash, you know, the year he had last year, and clearly from early on teams have decided right, whatever else Barry Nash ain't gonna be getting the puck out anyway. So like we'd be taking him out and stopping him getting forward, it'd be somebody just check his runs and make sure he's not he's not galloping into the opposition half of the field. So yeah, that was one thing they had to deal with. Galan, I think it was against Walford, rather than a conventional sweeper that stands maybe on the edge of the D and you know, whether it's Willow Dunne or Darrow Donovan, they they're, they're gonna ping it, we'll say left to right even depending on you know, Glen's move, whatever. Like I think Watford maybe stationed somebody to sweep sweeper maybe on, on the right hand side and just mm. they were taking away that half defeat. And that meant then the Connor Pronto, whoever was on Glen, stands on Glenn's left hand side. And you know what I mean? So so all these things were maybe thrown at them by different teams. Yeah. But it just shows again, obviously their their you know, their data analysis at half time, um, you know, that they're able to make these little tweaks and little adjustments to correct maybe or, or just work around and say what the opposition is 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 throwing at them and that that's probably an element of it as well yeah
2: yeah yeah no it's interesting is that a high wire act like should limerick not throw something at teams that they're not expecting because at the moment it seems to be we're the king you know what we're going to do so you throw your little curveball at us we'll deal with it and then we'll win whereas maybe they should be saying ah you didn't expect that from us maybe they're they're too good they don't need to to?
1: well if it it, (laughs) is If if yeah if they broke don't don't okay. fix it Joe I mean and like this is the thing this is this is their strength I mean everybody knows the way they're going to play I mean, you know two on top half hovers coming so
2: for, for me coming that's deep. not a, for me in a way that's not a strength and and that's why like at forty two minutes they're five points down and jeez, if Kilkenny score the next goal it's scary stuff you know I wonder. Like is that the next step for the team to throw something different at others from the first yeah, but, minute?
1: But, but, their, but their ability, Joe, to like their trust in the system. You know what I mean. And then and, and like and it's clearly been shown. Like it doesn't matter then who you know who's missing. It doesn't matter. You know, plug the next guy in, the next man up, and yeah. and the next guy fits into the system and does and trusts what they've that, that what they've been doing and training on the training pitch. The skill level, the accuracy, the timing of the passes, the movement of the ball, yeah. the delivery to the inside forwards. I mean, like this is like this is high wire stuff in terms of the skill level that they're executing at. I mean, those balls to Galland that Darrow Donovan hits, whereas one bounce, those puckups that Nicky Quaid hits. I mean, Kyle Hayes took off up the line under the Cusick stand at one point in the second half, and Nicky straight away sees it's on, drops it, five yards in front of him. Um, I think he slipped was the only reason maybe he didn't get the clean pick and maybe get away, mm. and I think he might have been fouled or I think he maybe ended up in a score. But like Quaid's ability just to to hit these guys and stride with the puck out, like we don't probably appreciate Joe just how difficult it is or just how good it is. And mm. I, I think like they're they're just executing at a phenomenal level and like that level of accuracy as I said yesterday. Like I think I know you hear different stats, but in the second half from my records, like they were I think they were eighty four percent. In terms of, okay, they got 25 shots, I think they dropped one short, they had three wides, two of which were in garbage time, but shot 21 points. I mean, under the greatest pressure, like yeah. on All-Ireland Final Day. That's that's phenomenal. And, and like, you know, we can talk about their physicality and we can talk about their power, but look at the quality of their stick work, their hurling, how, how easy they make it look, Joe. I mean, like, lots of club teams are maybe trying to play like, like, like Limerick do, but it, it takes incredible skill and obviously... Look at it, it's been drilled and drilled and drilled over yeah. years on the on the training ground. But it's just second nature to them, and it's second nature to whoever comes in off the bench, whether that's an injury, whether it's you know, someone not not, not playing well, whether it's just getting the guy on form in and and the juggernaut rolls on.
2: It does. David, you were coming in there as well on my um yeah, just, quibbles. But just on the, you were kinda of saying they never
0: throw anything different out. You remember the time that they, they were going with Kyle Hayes in the half forward and all of a sudden he's half back, like you yeah. do will have done with midfield, he was centre back there the last day. Very few people would have put him in there. Like they do make little subtle changes. But it's it's a strength within the team. If you're going along and um, obviously if you're so confident in the group, like we said there, and all the reference points back, mm. you, you don't turn you don't kind of change a winning team or or you don't start saying, lads, they're gonna do this and we're gonna change up our whole game plan here mm. just because of the team. That completely undermines all your whole the psychology behind the whole team, then straight away. Like they've at the end of the day they've won every game bar one or bar two in the last yeah, yeah, yeah. six years. No it totally. Is, I, it's it, it is frightening. But and again you asked why in the third quarter they're yeah. so good. because they have the cheat sheets then, because they have their KPIs at halftime when they come in and they go, Right, our tackle count should be this. Everyone has their, their tackle count should be at a certain level, whatever that might be, or it might be their, their shot the 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 number of chances, there might be their shot efficiency, it might be their uh, their turnovers, whatever it is. And yeah. then you come in, you're going to go, we're way down here, 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 and here, or way up here. And like, again, they're such an intelligent team. Going back to John his interview, goes, when we came in at halftime, he goes, Canark is a genius at what he does, but he goes, all the, player, the players had the answers. And again, when you have a team that's there and it's the same team for the last six years, they know mm-hmm. exactly when they're not playing well and when they're not playing well, when they're not winning the breaks on puckouts and how they actually change up these things. So it's a, that's why having a team that's bloody pretty much been glued together for mm. 6 years is such a achievement. Right.
2: Yeah, no listen, I, I get just, it all, just, I, just I get whatever, it all. Yeah, just, jo- John just, Giles, Giles though would say if it's right to do it in the 36th minute it should be right to do it in the first minute. That's all I'm saying as a final yeah. repost. I'm quoting Giles just, here. Just, There's no higher just, uh, no higher authority.
1: Yeah, just one other thing, Joe. I mean even, you know, from from look at the management perspective. I mean, Shane Flanagan, you know, was off form yesterday. Didn't have one of his best days, but yeah. Peter Casey has nailed two unbelievable scores from the sideline so right okay he's got his shooting boots on um, let's get him close to goal and uh, you know there's a conversation there between Mikey Butler and Tommy Walsh do you? Do I stay with him or do you pick him up and that's what happened Tommy Walsh you know said right I'll take the inside guy um, and suddenly there's two angle balls to, to Casey Tommy Walsh couldn't do a whole lot about it I mean he kept him practically corralled to the sideline Casey nails the two of them He's Tommy Walsh is whipped off Mikey Butler goes back in Casey gets another angle ball Gets another score, and and just like that, is three points on the board from that move as well. Where you know they recognize that Casey was capable of doing more damage inside, you know, closer to goal. Um, so look at they get so many calls right, and that's that's not by accident either,
2: yeah. And look, if
1: anyone,
0: sorry, Joe, just on what you were saying, I was just thinking, like it's like it's like a boxer knocking a lad out in the ninth round, and you're kind of going, but when you do it in the first, like when you just you know they they have to soak they have to soak up the pressure. Everyone is at their max, their best in that first 35 minutes, and mm. it's it's the two of them are going hell for leather at each other, and Kikane are, are so dominant in what they're doing and so physical. And it, it there isn't it, they're, they're, it's the fact that they have such conditioning and it's built up from a long period of time. Yeah, and these lads have come through the through the ranks, and there's been a proper system that's put in place. I don't know whether it was back with kind of Antetokounmpo that started it back there. 12 plus years ago and all of a sudden now they have that condition. So they're never going to race away from a team in the first half. It is, again, it's, it's just both teams are are coming out with their own style of play. Limerick are playing the way that they're playing yeah. but it's just the fact that they soak up all that pressure, soak it all up and then the second half teams just cannot live with them and, when when they...
2: Yeah. Totally agree. To be, to be fair, because this might sound like I'm being critical of Limerick, I'm not, I'm just curious about the... Oh, the third quarter being targeted and and like almost as if it's this preordained thing. And I I don't think any team would set out for life to be that way, because you do run the risk of not being able to have a good third quarter or get back into it. My sense of it is, Dave, it is exactly what you're saying. The other team throw the kitchen sink at them, they absorb it and then come the third quarter, they begin to wrestle back control, but I, I, I just refuse to believe. I, I don't know did, if have you played on teams where you said we'll target the third quarter. I just that's what's being said about Limerick now. I, I just don't believe a team goes out and targets a, a one quarter over another.
0: No, but I visibly remember being in the 2011 final. It was my first final. Being in the Dresden, we're up by four points against Tipperary at halftime, and actually smiling to myself, going, "We're going to win." Like yeah. as in, we we basically won. Yeah. I remember just thinking, nobody beats us in the second half. Like once we're up at half time or up before, nobody beats us. I remember smiling to myself, you know, and everyone was so bloody calm. What they're at, or even being down by a point, and then lads would just come in, and and again the same thing was said: going, we haven't we haven't begun yet, we haven't started yet, lads. We're just going to go out and blitz them. And it was literally it was as simple as a message as that: as kind of look around, is anyone tired? No, let's go out and kill them. Basically, yeah. And it was so confident in the dressing room. And it, you can probably feel the same thing that Limerick are feeling. It's the exact same thing that the, it was in the Kilkenny dressing room back then. That it just, you, you basically just knew that once you upped your standards again, mm-hmm. nobody would be able to live with you. And that went back to the Kilkenny training sessions. And again, it's probably going back to, again, the Limerick sessions there at the moment when they have such a phenomenal 30 players that they're able to kind of, they know they have it in the bank. But sure, they come in at half time, they're just like, Again, is anyone exhausted? No. I'm sure they're looking at their, their GPS as well and understand that there's so much left and that all that information has been fed to them as well. But Jesus, you, you are basically only tipping the, the tip of the iceberg here. It's time to kick it on.
2: Yes. No, I dare say you're right. Um, a point you sort of alluded to, Jamesy, but just to emphasise it again, like if, if you take an extreme example, Kerry's reliance on David Clifford, you know, in terms of All-Ireland winning teams, it's quite pronounced with respect to lots of other very, very good Kerry players. I mean, it's really hard to think of an All-Ireland winning team where the workload is so spread out on any given day. As you mentioned, Galan is having that tussle with Lawler. Geroge has had stunning All-Ireland finals. He didn't have a stunning one yesterday by his standards. And as you said, it's no problem. Peter Casey, in you come. Carl O'Neill off the bench, two points, no problem. And then, Keen Lynch after 18 horrible months well now you're going to weigh in with probably a man of the match performance in many people's eyes like there's just no, there, there's, there's not actually a weak
1: point in that first 20 is there no and um, and that was the one thing maybe coming into the game that you know Richie English obviously suffered an injury and uh, obviously with, with Sean Finn and, and Hanan gone that you know they, they seem to be ten on cover at the back and you know, they plenty of guys you know up front obviously Carl Neal and Conor Boyle and, and Graham you know Graham Mulcahy and Adam English was there as well, you know, a really good young player. So, uh, you know, they, they, they had they had depth, maybe not as much depth as previous years. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just a, the, the overall quality and calibre of, of players that they've got. Um, you know, I mean, I thought Dan Morrissey had an unbelievable year for them, Joe, because early on, you know, when obviously Hagerty wasn't firing and, you know, maybe even in the early stages of the championship, like Galan, obviously the Munster final, the Cork game, the Munster final, you know, and I saw a good bit of Limerick this year. You know, up close yeah. was a number of their games. Um, the Cork game for me was it was a change where, right, the half forwards are coming deeper than they've ever come. I mean, it was literally right. We're going to lock the shop at the other end. There'll be no thirty points hit against us, and it was nearly as if we're going to pin it more on Galen, because you're going to have more space than ever. Iron, okay, and it's up to us to make sure we get the right ball, the right ball into you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's in, in the earlier matches, I, I thought their their defence and their full-back line in particular, and Nicky behind them, um, you know, kept them in it. And, and, and to me, Dan Morrissey was an absolute rock on the edge of the square all year. And, and Mike Casey, obviously, and Barry Nash, um, you know, were, were really solid defensively. Barry didn't have the type of year he had last year where he was, you know, obviously in the hurdle of the year conversation and galloping forward and getting points and goals and all kinds yeah. of things. But, like, defensively, you know, I, I, it's hard to remember him putting a foot wrong all year. And, and Mike Casey, obviously, was rock solid, you know, beside him. So, you know, like, known as well that you have that solid base and then obviously, you know, the luxury of having players like Burns and Kyle Hayes on the wings, I mean, the size of them, the physicality they bring, the hurling that they have and, and obviously the athleticism that Hayes gives you and he was galloping forward again yesterday, breaking and tackles and, you know, so look at just, they're so well balanced and you know, for me, that the, the big thing in croke Bark has been, you know, the return of Keen Lynch, you know, this is this is the year Keen Lynch in terms of the, the the influence that he had because Dahi Burke had a big first half in that large semi-final for Galway. You know, David Reedy was completely anonymous. I thought Dahi hit a lot of ball, was was dominant and Keane Lynch went to centre-forward in the second half and took him out of the game effectively and again, just, he's stitching the play together his these little passes, just creating space for other guys Um some of it goes unseen by other people but I think hurling people realise how good some of the things that Keane Lynch did yesterday were mm. and in that Galway match and he looked again like he had that that buzz, that energy, that vibrancy—you know—he wasn't worrying about his hamstrings, wasn't worrying about his fitness. He looked like again, he got really strong, and he played with the, you know, kind of a calm self-assurance that the grey players have yesterday. And uh, yeah, and I mean, it's like it's like getting a, it's like getting a new tie back, you know, having him back in that kind of form. And obviously, Galan, you know, Hugh Lawler matches up as well as anybody does with him, and Hugh has, you know, had a really good game yesterday, and Galan was always going to struggle on such a good player, yeah. Um, you know, but Glenn didn't need to have a day a day's yesterday for Limerick to win. And that's the luxury that they have, that, you know, it's not like, you know, we hold TJ we hold on Cody and that's it, job done, because the rest of them aren't, aren't going to be good enough to put enough scores on the board to beat us. Limerick, like, you know, Burns eight points, you know, one from play. But I mean, everyone does those frees from distance is just arrowing through the wind or, you know, hitting the top of the net and behind the goal. And they're not deviating. And each one of those is like a dagger mm. uh, to the opposition.
2: Yeah, there's not really a weapon they don't have. David, feel free to say, well, how the hell am I supposed to answer that? But who is the greatest hurling team of your lifetime?
0: Yeah, we had this discussion afterwards, kind of, was. Uh, I actually uh, asked JJ, JJ Lane, he goes, would they be better than the 2006, team?" And he kind of goes, well, whatever happens, don't ever admit to it. Like. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So I won't, just out of respect to him. <laughs> um, I think they have a bit, like I said be- earlier on in my answer, they have the, probably the best fifteen hurlers that have come along ever. Uh, I don't know how you would you would disagree with that. The thing with the Kilkenny side of the thing was there was so many changes. Like, that was the brilliance of what Brian Cody was doing because there was a constant change up in the team and the personnel. And like I spoke to you there earlier on about mm. all the different cornerbacks changing and the goalkeepers changing, the centre-back and the midfield pairings changing. But this, this Limerick team, it hasn't changed. So if you were to put them up against... like The, the hardest thing with the Kilkenny side of thing would be... Uh, well, who'd you actually put full back? Like, you know, who'd you put centre back? Because there was so many. You know, do you put John Tennyson the centre back or Brian Hogan the centre back? Yeah. There was so many different little changes within that Cuckney team. I think this Limerick team for actually keeping them together is pretty bloody phenomenal. Yeah. Mm. I, I <laughs> well, look at all. It, it's all. All it is is it's one year away from it being without question.
2: Yeah.
0: Right now, you can still have a good argument in the pub if you want, but next year, if they win the five in a row, it's it's pretty much job done.
2: I'm, two
1: points, Joe. Just to, so well, hang know, on. I just I want to I want to
2: yeah. follow up there. Um, Kilkenny on their best day, naturally enough, with David Herity in the in the goals. Kilkenny on their best day against this Limerick team. Who wins that one-off match? It's the
0: hurling has changed. It's completely changed. Like if we were if we were hurling back then, I'd be fucking. If I had thirty balls, I'd put twenty nine and a half of them down on the top. Like that was the game plan. The game plan was said to me, you know, would be you'd be in the dressing room and go, if you want to hit it short, go long. <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the things that was said before, uh, you know, one of the key matches. In other words, why? Just like if our team is not good enough to win the ball at half forward line, well then I've picked the wrong team here. Like. Okay. so you go long. and if you want, if you want to change it up, you can go longer. Very simple. So, like, trying to hit the ball down top of those lads day in, day out with larks probably Henry and TJ there underneath them. Uh, T, you know, lads in their prime. It'll be a fair old battle to see them. And then Eddie Brennan inside of Richie Power, Richie Hovind, Taggy. Jesus, it's not a it's not a, battle of a bunch. He'd love to see them. Um, oh, Jesus, yeah, I... I I would think the game has changed No, if you look back in the backs so I've seen Laker Gales there and there was one on Noel Hickey and he was just going up he'd stick up a hand he'd get and he'd drive it like, there wasn't a hand pass I'd love to know yeah. how many hand pass we managed to, to hit together it was get it and lump it and the boys down there will win it and that's the way it is nowadays We'd lose, Christ, our possession would be, would be through the floor, really, I know. to be it's, honest
1: it, with you. Look,
2: it's a dreadfully cheap question. And and the same problem emerges when you try to compare the Man City treble winning team with the United treble winning team. Like the sport yeah. is actually incomparable. But Jamesy, you were coming in there with two points, which has me excited.
1: I, I, I'll park them, Joe. <laughs> I suppose, listen, I mean, again, it's, I suppose look, that Kilkenny team has, you know, the players themselves would probably say, look at, you know, JJ, Tommy Walsh, Henry were probably three, you know, generational players. Um, I mean JJ was probably the greatest pure defender I think I've ever seen. Um, you know a phenomenal player and obviously Tommy you know, Tommy was Tommy and, and Henry and so on. Um, so it's, it's look it's it's probably unfair to, to, to either teams. I mean you could you could argue and again that's not to cast any aspersions on the current Kilkenny team, but how many of those guys would get into uh, you know th- that Kilkenny team you know and, and, that's, and that's not been unfair because as, as you know as David said, the game has changed. It's it's so different now in so many respects, um, but yeah, you'd love to figure out some way to get it on, wouldn't you? So,
2: who, who, who what, what, for all those um, misgivings and complications, <laughs> give
1: me the best hurling team you've seen. Well, I mean, listen, like because I suppose I I, I hurled against them, um, you know, that, that Kilkenny team in in their prime and in their pomp were, were were phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, I think probably maybe as individuals, you would maybe say the Kilkenny. Maybe had more individuals in terms of brilliance and so on, but in terms of system, I mean, as I said, just Limerick doing what they do, yeah. Uh, you know, so so it's like it's not it's an impossible one to 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 answer, Joe. I think. I mean, you know, this Limerick team, you know, if they do five in a row, I mean, they've already done five and six years. If they do five in a row or or, or add to it, mm-hmm. um, but then again, maybe that Brooks Brooks no argument. And and I, one thing I think you you, you know you can question. Is that the path this Limerick team has had to come through is probably significantly tougher than what that Kilkenny team had to had to endure, and um, that's not to say that they wouldn't have beaten the tarot out of the rest of us. They were they were you know there at the time as well, mm. but certainly the adversity that this Limerick group have faced this year. Um, and Joe, like you know, you think back to a right. I mean that game against Tipperary. I mean the game was levelled and Ennis heading into stoppage time. If Cork had won by a point and Limerick had held on and beating Limerick, or Tippett held on and beaten Limerick by a point, yeah. Limerick were gone. Crazy. I know. You know, the margins were that were that small. And like if, if Tippett may be taking care of business against Waterford, you know, Limerick then are having to maybe play Galway in a quarterfinal. Then there's the semifinal. Then there's the final. There's no month off to recharge the batteries, get, you know, get everybody fit and so on. Um, and maybe then it's a different, it's a different outcome. But, you know, maybe they got that bit of luck, but you know, no one could say that this was a, a lucky all Ireland. I mean, this was some All Ireland, considering yeah. said, losing Sean Finn, losing Hannon. Um, it's probably their greatest. And certainly the form they showed in Croke Bark, they were like a team just re energized that, you know, were back on their stage, you know, where they play best. And um, I mean what a way to you know, confirmed that Munster is the strongest hurling province to <laughs> you know, the way they put Bay to the Leicester boys. Yeah. And I'm a bit cheeky. I'm a bit cheeky there. But uh, I, I think, you know, certainly like Munster been as competitive as it is, you know, you certainly are battle-hardened by the time you get to Crow Park.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're battle-hardened or then you're, you're shattered if you lose. I mean, we can always be wise after yeah. the events, I suppose. It is an impossible question. I, I appreciate that. Who is your hurler of the year then, David?
0: I'd say it's Aaron Galan. It was a bit of a left field one there for the lads last night. Saying Kyle Hayes, it's Aaron Galan, especially when they like even yesterday. I know he um, he scored two points in play. Two points in play is not bad going in another final. All the same, he got fouled for a free then as well. Um, I, he still had an assist. I had him down for he, he got gave away a free. He had a point. He had two two wides. He gave. He had an assist there in the first half to Keen Lynch and got him on the the score sheet then. Uh, he had a point in the second half. He won a free and he had another wide. Then he's still got on a lot of ball for an inside forward. He's dragged him through a lot of those monster games. For me, he's uh, he was the standout player of the year. I know obviously Kyle Hayes was outstanding. Jim Burns then had a late run for it. But uh, for me, Galan still is uh, a slight bit ahead of the rest of the lads. Yeah, I thought you, though, as a just I thought you, was absolutely phenomenal. I think you know, there are it was kind of a bit of uh, even afterwards, were. Again, in juries and, and um, the group of Kilkenny lads was happened to be there, uh, J.J. Brennhove and Richie Power, there was those kind of moments of, uh, you know, when you're standing around and there's like 10 seconds of silence where, you, you know, you, you don't know, you're kind of, you don't know what to say. Our limit was Berlin or Kilkenny, what the hell happened, basically. You're just kind of in a bit of shock, like. But I think when when it kind of settles down and you kind of look back at it, there are still a lot of uh, positive shoots there for Kilkenny. The fact that Derek Ling has done his first year now, mm. that whole era has now, Run in, he's, he's got his first trophy. The likes of you, Lawler, the lads, Mikey Butter, probably get himself another all star you as well. Uh, the likes of Adrian Mullen was back, he was just a very unfortunate. Tom Field had a very good year. Oh, Cody taken off in the 15 minute last year, but this year looked like he was nearly player of the year. So there are some decent positive signs there for Kilkenny. It's just uh, it'll be a very interesting few months now ahead, though.
2: Yeah, will TJ go again, do you think?
0: I think he will simply because Pat Horgan's going to go ahead and go again. He's 15 points ahead on the all-time list. If I was talking to him in the morning, I'd say would be stupid not to. Uh, why would you give up knowing that if you retire now, you're going to be number two for possibly the next 20 years until someone else takes the job? I wouldn't. I'd have him. He's put him on ice. Derek Ling should be making sure of that. The unfortunate thing for TJ is that he's probably going to go all the way to another club all Ireland for God knows how many years in a row. That's the killer thing. He doesn't get an, a, a a really a downtime. Yeah. Because all the way to Winskill Kenny wins Leinster, win or gets to an All Ireland club final. Then, but, but Derek Ling managed him very well this year. He, he gave him his three months off and then brought him back in for the Leinster Championship. I still would. I, I'd still have him there for those crucial games, even if there was to, to bring them on. I, uh, I definitely wouldn't see any other reason. He, he look, he lives in the gym. If that's his business, is working mm. in the gym. Mm. So it's not like it's going to be. It's not like he's a, a farmer, or it's a demanding job on him, or he's sitting in the car all day doing yeah. sales, working in the gym. He can look after himself. There's no way there'll be too many other lads going. Everything will manage him, but definitely the whole lure of losing out on the all-time score by a few by a few points at the end of the year because Horgan is staying on. I definitely don't think he will. Yeah. I don't think he'll
2: retire. I do picture TJ Reid like every time he gets up, like to get a glass of water or go to the toilet, he, he does a few bench press reps on the way. Like, is that is that his life? <laughs> <laughs> he
0: he is, uh, yeah. Look, he's a different breed. I've said this before in the past. It's just he lives in his own world, um, and that's that's where he's at. Just and again, I remember saying that eleven eleven semi final we were playing Walford and meeting him in the gym, and I was I, just the day beforehand. And uh, saying to him, uh, I was whatever I was doing. I was doing a bit of stretching, but he was going over, and he he was just lifting things. Like there was not there was no sense to what he was doing. He was like exactly what you're saying. He was just walking around and he'd do a few chin-ups, and then he'd just go over. He might squat something that someone else had just you know done up already, and then he'd just go over and just lift up two dumbbells. He was doing a bit of that, and I was like, TJ, you want to take it easy because you know if the game is tomorrow. He goes, Don't worry, TJ, man, the match. And that was that. So. <laughs> That's right. that's his world he lives in and that's what he believes every time he goes out there.
2: Okay, so not scientific at the gym more just like a buffet of whatever is on the go nearest to him.
0: This is this is before he had the uh, he had his own business, all right. But uh, he, like, again, this is just that was his his approach and that's his mentality.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess th- I hadn't thought of the Horgan thing. I guess that is hell of an incentive to come back, James. You you, you in agreement on Galan
1: for hurler of the year? No. <laughs> um, listen, he was he was great. He's a cast iron all star, but. I think in the earlier games, um, you know, like in terms of consistency, yeah, he was excellent against Cork. Obviously excellent against Clare in the muster final, but there was no Conor Cleary and you know, even against Cork, the space in front of him, the ball that was going into him, um, you know, certainly made his life easier. Uh, you know, obviously he was looking, he was great against Galway, but you know, got the break maybe for the second goal. And I, I don't think he his best year. Um see so he's in the conversation, Joe. Um, I couldn't understand why Kyle Hayes Got it because, again, from a consistency perspective, um, yeah, he was really good. Mm. For me, I'm going to be totally contrarian. Dan Morrissey, because, as I said, I I saw, if not all the Limerick's games, um, you know, maybe I I pretty did see all the Limerick's games. Might have had to watch one of them back or whatever. Uh, I I just thought that he was Mr. Reliable, Mr. Dependable. When, you know, there were – when the ship was maybe, you know, been buffeted by heavy winds and so on, I just thought he was just a consistent – rock solid pillar yeah um and and for me just on the base of sheer consistency that this guy was just an, an absolute classes for limerick all year even when things were going against him um i i just thought he was he was magnificent and he's just one of those quiet unfussy guys you'd imagine that it's just the first name on the team sheet mm-hmm. mr dependable and he's he's done that for them before i mean when obviously my case he went out he's the guy we, we put to full back we need Kyle Hayes in the forwards, right? Dan will do the job in the wing, Mike will go to full back. You know, you could you could play him, I think, anywhere in the back and he does the job and does it in a quiet, unfussy, intelligent way. And I'd imagine he's hugely respected in the group. And I know it's not it's not the fashionable thing to do, but for me, as I said, you know, in terms of sheer consistency, and that's what you want your hurler of the year to be, um, I thought I thought he was he was the player of the year. And and, and again, it's not again to, to do anything on, on Peter Casey, but again for me, like Peter was brilliant in the second yeah. half. But Keane Lynch did it when Limerick really needed it in both halves and that's why I, I thought that you know he maybe was, he was my pick for man in the match yesterday. Yeah. Well look, an embarrassment, Richards. So I guess the curtain comes down on another hurling
2: season. I mean, um, it feels like a long time ago now since Kylie was complaining about people doing a softening up exercise on Limerick at the start of the championship and telling us we were great. Um, it turns out people may have been right at the start of the season. But uh, we'll talk again soon. David Herity. pleasure as always, David. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. And Jamesy, pleasure. Thanks, Jamesy.
1: Cheers, John. It was a great, it was a great season. I think you know a lot of great games, um, a great talking about
2: it. Yeah, no, it sure was. So uh, more of the same soon, I guess. It's a, it's we've a bit of a wait now until we go again. But uh, thanks, fellas. We'll leave it there. And I should say hurling as well. It's anyone's game. Off the ball has teamed up with senior hurling championship sponsors Board gosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact hurling has had on people's lives. For uh, full competition details, you can go to boardgoshenergy.ie forward slash BGE GAA is the address.
1: Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy.
0: Hurling, it's anyone's game.